Most of the big blockbusters from summer are in the rearview mirror now, but we've still got some family-friendly flicks to talk about, as well as a surprise or two on today's show. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, we've got a lot to cover today, including a conversation about a nice little movie on Netflix that released last week called Vivo. It's the kind of movie we like to highlight because, well, sometimes nice little movies kind of slide under the radar. You don't even know they exist. And so we want you to know it exists because we've got some nice things to say about it. Joining me for our conversation today are Jonathan McKee, Lauren Cook, and Paul Acey. Well, before we dive into Vivo, I've got a quick question to prime the conversational pump, so to speak. As summer begins to move toward a close, somebody needs to cue up a Beach Boys song quick. What's one of your favorite movies that you associate with watching during this warm and relaxed ooh, season? Ooh, ooh. Jonathan, I see that hand. Oh, man. I, I think every year, and I talk about this film so much that, sorry, listeners, I know you're getting tired of me talking about this film, but summer's <laughs> the time to watch Jaws. I mean, it's just Jaws. the time to watch Jaws. As a matter of fact, my brother is in the same boat. Uh, Literally, when my daughters went up to visit him because he lives in the middle of nowhere in Redneckville, and so they were up riding horses and doing fun things with him. I hope I hope he got they, a bigger they, he boat had, this he year. He had a Jaws marathon for the summer with his kids, and it was awesome. And they they started backwards. They started at the end so that that way the Jawses would just get better. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like the plural of Jawses? Jawses. Jawses. I like that. That's, I like that a lot. And so, and so by the time they got to the real Jaws, you know, the first one, they were like, wow, this is so great because they had just watched some very bad ones. So anyway, yes. so summer is the time for well, Jaws. Well, and for the record, there's only one Jaws movie and the rest there is there totally is. different category. Absolutely. All right. Other favorite summer movies. Mine's a little weird. So my family, I grew up traveling a lot in the summer, and, and before we, our tradition was the night before we always left for the summer, we would watch the movie Apollo 13. It's my dad's favorite movie, and I've probably seen it more than any other movie in my entire life. More than um, Star Wars? Oh, ma many more times than Star Wars, yes, <laughs> which is saying something, <laughs> which I got to tell you is saying something. Um, but yes, I don't know why it's not really a summer blockbuster per se, but I always associate that with the beginning of the summer. So can I quote about half the movie? Yes, I won't do it for you right are now. Are you asking permission or are you no, talking I'm, about I'm saying, it? No, <laughs> okay. I'm saying like, can I theoretically do it? Yeah, I'll spare you that right now. But okay. yes, so Apollo 13 is the summer for me. That is my, my summer movie. Wow. 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 I've, got an even, I've got an even weirder movie oh. for you. <laughs> Dr. Shivago. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. I don't know what Dr. I expected you to say, but Zhivago. it wasn't that. So for those who don't know, Dr. Shivago takes place in Russia. It, nah. Like turn of the century, revolutionary Russia. And That's it's my always favorite very Russia. cold. But I watched it one time like in the middle of August. And it was like 145 degrees outside, no air conditioning. I was sweating like anything. And a friend of I, mine and I actually just popped in Dr. Zhivago. And watching the Siberian scene where they're riding through the snow, it just felt so cool <laughs> and relaxing. It was wonderful. So, yeah, if ever I think it gets a little bit too warm during the summer, I just pop in Dr. Shivago. <laughs> Dr. Shivago. I cool awesome. right out. Chill well, right out. Paul, I say this with all of the love that I could muster as your colleague. <laughs> 
That's super weird, man. That, that's my favorite thing you've ever said on this yeah, podcast. Seriously. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Well, Dr. Shabbat. I would go with Star Wars, but we all know Star Wars is a movie for all seasons. So, you know, that would just be too easy. I am going to go with The Karate Kid. Uh, in part wow. because when I saw it in 1984, I was on one of the only vacations that my family ever took, which was a business trip for my dad while the rest of us were stuck in a hotel. And there was a movie theater across the parking lot, and I went to see Karate Kid every day for a week. And it was actually one of my best vacation experiences ever. And it has the song Cruel Summer by Bananarama. Not on the official soundtrack. If you buy the soundtrack, it's not there. But obviously, it's one of the main songs I hate in that. the movie. So, so this this is not the Jaden Smith version that we're talking about, just to clarify. No. <laughs> 1984. The only version. See previous. Well, uh, I love talking about movies because we all have great movie experiences and stories. And obviously, Plugged In exists to help you learn about new movies that are coming out. So let's talk about Vivo. Uh, as I mentioned a minute ago, Vivo is an animated movie that you may not have even heard of, nor does the title necessarily tell you much of anything, but it's actually got a lot to recommend for those looking for relatively family-friendly fare. So Paul, you reviewed this for us. Tell us What's the story here? And it's actually a pretty convoluted story, isn't it? You know, it is. and it, But at its core, it's a love story. Okay. Uh, essentially, it begins in Cuba, where you have this musician named Andre and his weird little talented kinkajou. Which is like a monkey, but not a monkey? Which is like a monkey, but not a monkey. Not a monkey at all. He'd probably be very offended if Kind of like my children. Exactly. <laughs> so he, the Kinkajou is named Vivo, and they essentially go and they play every day at the plaza, the local plaza that they have there, and they collect money. And it's good living. The Kinkajou Vivo. So he's a busking Kinkajou. No, that's very, Yeah, we could get pretty complicated in we our could. vocabulary. But, we could. But yeah, so the Kinkajou loves it, right? Vivo thinks this is fantastic. Um, this is the way he wants to spend the rest of his life. But then one day, Andres gets this message, this letter, from an old, old musical partner of his named Marta. Uh, Marta left Cuba like 60 years ago, had a fantastic career off in the States, and all of a sudden she's going to retire. And so she writes to Andres and says, would you play with me one last time? Come to Miami, come and accompany me. And for Andres, this is this is like a dream come true because secretly he this has been like his secret love for very, very long. So you guys were like a duo. She was also the love of my life, but I never told her how I felt. All my love, I put it into a song. Now he gets a chance to see her and play a song, the last song he ever wrote for her. That's all about her. He poured all of his love, all of his sadness into this song. He dies. Right? Mm. Spoiler alert. He gets the letter. So you just gave us like the first four minutes of the movie, right? The first four minutes. So, Ish. So Vivo, Seven. now Vivo being the good kinkajou that he is, decides to take the song, go to Miami, and deliver it to Marta. Like any Aww. good Kinkajou would do. Like right. any I mean, good Kinkajou would do. The good Kinkajou would have been a better title for this movie. <laughs> 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 
So it's a really tender love story in a way, and, and it features this cute little monkey-like thing who goes off on this quest for his former owner slash friend. All right. Well, pros and cons. What did you like, and what do families need to be aware of if you're considering this movie? So the first thing we should probably bring up is that it's, it is the brainchild of Lin-Manuel Miranda, mm-hmm. who, of course, is the mind behind Hamilton, behind In the Heights, behind every musical that we kind of know of today, it seems like. Moana. Uh, he, 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 he voices uh, Vivo. He wrote or co-wrote most of the songs for this. So you have uh, some, some, a lot of music in here. Um, the other thing that really struck me about the film is how light and how sweet the movie was. It felt very nice, very wholesome in a way. The music, I think, helped lighten it up. Uh, it was it was kind of a it wasn't necessarily that memorable of a movie. It mm-hmm. wasn't like peak Pixar or anything like that, but it was a very sweet, very watchable movie. Yeah, I really liked um, the themes in the movies of being bold and stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, Vivo initially doesn't want to go to Miami. He's like, no, I like our life here. I think this is cool. I don't want anything to change. And then he sort of, he makes a decision to honor Andres by going to Miami anyway. Um, He's sort of encouraged by Gabby to be bold and to speak up for himself and to be assertive. And I think that can be a great message for kids in, you know, moderation. But um... <laughs> Yeah, and, and you do have to talk a little bit about some of the problems. Mm-hmm. In moderation, I think that's kind of key. You do have that the, there's this girl who runs away from home, essentially, right. to, to help that's, Vivo. That's Gabby. That's mm-hmm. Gabby. Uh, Followed the two sort of become this team that go off to Miami through the Everglades, a very dangerous situation. You don't necessarily want to tell kids that it's okay to run away from home, you know, even for a really good, you know. Right, and especially if the Everglades are involved. Especially if the Everglades are involved, there's some scariness <laughs> to deal with. The mom is not very happy with Gabby for running away like she did, and r- rightly so, right? Um, so you do have some issues to watch out for. You have some bathroom humor that sometimes pops up. Uh, but for the most part, this is a fairly clean film. Well, I like that. You know, so often I feel like when we talk about movies, we end up talking about it was a good movie, but there's this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and and you really got to be careful. Whereas this one has, it seems like, you know, some minor speed bumps that you might want to slow down for a little bit, if I can push that extended metaphor just a bit further. Um, But, (laughs) but it's a nice movie Mm -hmm. and, and it's one, I'm guessing the music is pretty great too. The music is really good. The music is stuck in my head all day. So there we go. It's fairly catchy. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for giving us an overview of that. And I wanted to move into our next topic of conversation. And this is one of the surprises that I mentioned at the outset. Uh, Jonathan McKee is a beloved part of our Plugged In Show podcast team. We'll all raise a glass to Jonathan. But mm. you may not know that Jonathan is a prolific author and speaker. And Jonathan has a brand new book out called Parenting Generation Screen, Guiding Your Kids to Be Wise in a Digital World. And if you've ever thought listening to Jonathan, this guy knows a lot about screens and parenting. <laughs> Jonathan, how many books have you written on that deal with this subject one way or another? 
Too many. Too many. <laughs> when you can't count them, that's a lot. Almost as many as I have. Almost as many as Lauren has. <laughs> just kidding. But we wanted to take some time today and just talk about some of the, the ideas that Jonathan covers uh, in this book uh, and really give him a chance to really share his wisdom, maybe in a, a more targeted way than we normally do. So Jonathan, we are glad to have you on our team. And I want to just start with this question for you today about your book. What do you think the biggest challenges are these days when it comes to kids, families, and screens? You know, I think one of the things that's super frustrating is um, the conflict it actually stirs up in the home at times. Mm. Because if you think about it, you know, everybody's frustrated because, you know, mom and dad are spending too much time on screens. Kids are spending too much time on screens. And everybody's like, hey, stop looking at that stupid screen. And, you know, or, hey, how much time have you spent on your game today? Or, hey, how much social media time is that? And it very often in families, families kind of tend to react sometimes with rules and it hurts the relationship. Mm. And so one of my kind of, secrets, evil plans that I'll confess just, <laughs> just to you listeners is that really my goal with this book was, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of parents looking for, okay, good. What blocks can I put on the phone and what rules can I have? And what I really did is even though I provide some, some of that, I really wanted to provide a conversation starter. So I just filled the book with discussion questions. Here's how to talk with your kids mm. about whether you can have your phone in a bedroom. Here's how to talk with your kids about the people you meet online. Here's how you talk with your kids about, because that's what we really need is we need more conversation. We need more connection before correction. Yeah, and I was even gonna say connection before correction. I know that's one of your catchphrases. And I'm a parent of three, my kids are 10, 12, and 14. And I think that when things begin to slip out of control, sometimes, depending on your personality type, that is your your first parental sort of impulse. The knee-jerk reaction yeah, yeah. is to just say, all right, we're going to clamp down on the rules. Uh, and I think what I love that you do in this book, and I think part of your approach to media and entertainment and technology in general is, yeah, you know, the boundaries are important, but ultimately the boundaries need to serve the relationship you have. Uh, and mm. I, I think you'll appreciate this story. I was out for a walk with my youngest last night and school's getting ready to start. And I said, you know, I think we really need to kind of have a family reset on our devices. And she's like, yeah, dad, I totally agree. And you've said that so many times <laughs> and you haven't followed through. And so I wanted to share that story from the point of you know, what we want to do, and I know what you want to do, Jonathan, is not try to encourage perfection. The goal here is not to make sure that we get it absolutely right. The goal is to be focused on our relationships with our kids and yeah. and helping them in this area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, if parents haven't yet gotten a screen for their kids, what do they need to think about beforehand, Jonathan? Well, uh, several things. And one thing I do is I really talk about what is that age to get your kids a phone? Because that's the question. And we've 30. talked about it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, and also, though, but, you know, I remember, Adam, you sharing how it was so difficult with your kids, how some of your kids were feeling that pressure, that peer yeah. pressure, because you bought like the dumb phone and they're like, Dad, they make fun of me. No, they, so totally there's not, that, they mocked they're, my son when he brought it to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's a tough thing. So on one hand, we really talk about that. And then we talk about, okay, so if your kid's already 
have a screen, which most of them do, honestly. It's what do you do? And so giving some advice on how to honestly uh, balance that bonding and boundaries, um, being able to have conversations with them about it and equip them to learn how to become screen wise, but also having some fair boundaries that some, some simple ones like no devices in the bedroom. Hmm. That one, that one simple rule in the house of, hey, guess what? At nighttime, whatever it is, eight o'clock or whatever, we're going to collect the devices. We're going to throw them on the charger in the master closet and, and all devices, not just the phone, but also that that uh, eye touch that your kid has that you forgot about that's still in their drawer that actually still has those apps on it that they downloaded that you didn't know about. But, you know, all those devices. <laughs> and we talk a little bit about that. And so that their their room's kind of a safe place because so many of the problems today happen from kids being on social media all night, gaming all night. And that term all night long keeps coming coming up bullying that happened all night long. And if we can save our kids from that in the bedroom, uh, it becomes a place where then all of a sudden when you're putting your kids to bed, you know, they aren't sitting there staring at a screen. Sometimes conversation comes up as you're tucking them in. I mean, so Gasp. just that one simple, <laughs> that one simple boundary can create a lot of bonding. So it's, it's stuff like that on, on thinking about those things and talking with our kids about them and involving them in those decisions in the same way that you were talking with your daughter yesterday and she put you to shame. Right. She did. <laughs> I, I had to go to counseling afterwards to deal with my shame. But, but I, I will say, I think, and you can riff on this, Jonathan, you can tell me whether I'm out to lunch on this. I, I wonder if parents and families have kind of a personality style. And some of us, for me and for my wife, I think we actually naturally lean toward the relationship angle, sometimes mm -hmm. to a fault. Like I'll be more concerned with protecting the relationship sometimes than, okay, what are the boundaries that we need here as a family, even if those don't feel particularly good? And I think some families are going to be more naturally on the rules side, right? You know, that that's their, yeah. their go-to stance. And so uh, what would you say with regard to that balance between rules and relationship? Well, it's funny. Uh, in my parent workshop, sometimes, uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> this Sunday I'm going to be doing this. I literally put up on the screen on one end of the room bonding and on the other end of the room boundaries. And I kind of explain them both. And I have everybody stand up and walk to where they stand in the room. Oh, wow. On that line between bonding and boundaries. And people are all over the room because, huh. you know, parents parent differently. And I talk about that balance and what's that look like? You know, what is that person over there on that side of the room, which often is their spouse? That's what's really fun is to see spouses <laughs> on the opposite side of the room. He's good cop. I'm bad cop. But talking about that, because like in your case, you, you know, you say that you really kind of almost err on the side of so much bonding that you wonder at times, you know, are there some boundaries we're missing? And that's where in the book, I really spend some good time educating parents about like the effects of social media and, and what it's doing with young people and how we don't need to take their phone away, but how having some realistic loving limits on social media can really help, especially our daughters and the mm. way they feel about themselves because we're not just leaving them free to be on TikTok for five or six hours a day. And that's having an effect on young people today. So it's good for us, those of us who love the bonding part to <laughs> understand how those realistic boundaries can help. 
one of the things that I've always so appreciated about your input on this podcast has just been that emphasis again and again on, on both those dual things, but always emphasizing talking with your kids, building that relationship, making sure that, that these conversations are in a safe place. That's a really hard thing to do. And I would imagine in some ways it's getting harder over the years. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, it is. It's a tough balance. And of course, you know, everybody's different. Like Adam right. said, you know, there's people standing all over the room. And for those, that, I mean, I erred on the side of boundaries to where I think it really hurt the relationship with my kid. I think I, I, I was so quick to jump on the rules and I lacked empathy. I lacked listening skills and I messed it up. I really did. And for me, looking back, I'm like, you know what? I was so focused and thinking, I want to raise my kids right that, you know, I would that I became this drill sergeant. And for me, I needed to strike that balance. Mm. So I, I share that with other parents and, and hope that other parents don't make the same mistake. Well, I think one of the challenges of parenthood is almost no matter what we do, we're going to make some mistakes. And I don't say that from a pessimistic point of view. I say it from, you know, when you're young you say things like, well, when I'm a parent, I'm never going to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you get into it a few years and you realize it's more complicated than that. And so that's why I'm a big proponent of, yeah, just take a step back and, and have a reset every now and then. And I think a reset takes that pressure off of the yeah. parental, our expectations of ourselves that we have to get it perfect every time. It's, and we can go to our kid and say, you know what, this has kind of slipped out of control for us as a family and not necessarily just for you guys, you know, for, as kids, it, your mom and dad sometimes wrestle with these things too. And so uh, I think that when we can own our own stuff with them, it gives us a chance to build that relationship. And then we're working on it together as a family. Um, and it's not just, you know, mom and dad are the judge dread enforcers of the rules here. And even exactly. as I say that, it's super messy, right? I mean, that might sound really nice, and I hope it does, but <laughs> I'm right there with my family right now in terms of, yeah, COVID and getting back to school and all of that. It's time to to redraw some of those boundaries. And that leads me to my last question today. We have talked about COVID quite a bit over the last 14 months, because what else has there been to talk about, right? Yeah. But um, what thoughts would you have maybe one or two concrete thoughts for families that feel like, you know, over the last year or so, things have really gotten out of control. How do we begin to reestablish some of those boundaries? Well, that's a great question. And I'm going to use your concept of the reset there. I like that uh, because one of the things I talk about in the book is uh, creating this climate of communication. And so I talk about like at family dinner, for example, just having conversations about some of the stuff that's happening in the house. You know, mm. if Chris is spending too much game time, if Jamie is on social media too much to bring up at family dinner, Hey, not like Jamie, you've been spending too much time, but, but to literally <laughs> say, Hey, how much time is too much for all of us in social media and to bring this stuff up. So I'd say, bring it up. And, and that's one thing the book does is it guides us on how to have those conversations. But another thing I talk about in the book that really can let parents off the hook is, don't expect to solve it in one family dinner. Mm. As a matter of fact, one of the things I say is in that family dinner, make sure you listen, make sure you make them feel noticed and heard. And then at the end of it, say, hmm, this is something to think and pray about. Let's all think and pray about it. And let's uh, 
let's resume this conversation some other time. And I, I through the whole book, I keep delaying and saying, you're going to talk about this later. You're going to talk about this later. And then I propose a family pizza meeting at the end where you actually say, okay, let's dive in. Mm. And let's, we, we've thought about this. We've prayed about this. We've researched this. Um, here's where I think we're going to go. And I talk about what it looks like to lay that out. So mm. don't feel like you got to solve it in one meal. It probably shouldn't be solved in one meal. It's probably better to say, let me pray about this. Mm. Jonathan, I love that. I, I think that it really gets at the reality that life is a process, that we don't make things perfect in one go. When we make mistakes, there's room for correction, but we don't throw in the towel either, that we stay engaged, yeah, yeah. that we keep coming back to this understanding of how important it is for us as families to set boundaries. So thanks for talking a little bit about that today. Yeah, thanks. Fun. Well, I want to do something super Super fun. This is our last surprise for the day. I want to introduce a new feature to the Plugged In Show. And as I look around at my fellow Plugged In Show participants, there is a mix of anticipation and trepidation on their faces. <laughs> it's just trepidation. It's just trepidation. I'm just afraid. Lauren says she's just afraid. <laughs> but as we all know, fear can be great for dramatic, um, well, drama. Right? Dramatic drama. Dramatic yeah. drama. Beautiful. So, so beautifully put. Mm. One of the things we do at Plugged In is we keep track of what's going on in the culture. What do you need to know about? I'd like to introduce a segment called Culture Countdown. And obviously we are, um, we are given to talking a lot. And I thought, <laughs> how can we talk about culture but not let people talk too much, myself yeah. included? So here's what I did. I stole my mother-in-law's egg timer. Oh, no. <laughs> That's awesome. Literally, I oh, went to the store man. to buy one last night and they don't sell them anymore. So I had to call my mother-in-law and go get hers. So here's how this is going to work. Everybody gets one minute. I'm going to turn the timer on. You all will be able to hear it. And there'll be a nice little buzzer at the end of one minute. And, you know, wherever you're at, sort of like the Academy Awards when the music starts, wrap up that thought. I'm not going to cut you off mid-sentence. So if we go under, do we get raises? Maybe I'll give you 15 <laughs> seconds more next week. <sighs> so okay. if you want to, like vacation time, if you want to store it up. Oh, okay. But enough banter. We, oh, yeah, because we don't have time for that. Right. The whole point of this is... To make things quick. It's a culture speed round of things related to... Um, teens and tweens to faith to technology to entertainment and I have not vetted your stories ahead of time so I am waiting with great anticipation to see what you have brought to the table do I have any volunteers or do I need to like we should throw draw a dart? names out of the hat I think Paul I, I'm gonna volunteer you oh my hey, goodness that's what you get for speaking up yeah. oh yeah. first guys. person to talk here are you ready sure here I'm we so go excited. here we go <laughs> okay. Paul, you have approximately one minute. You're laughing. Go. Okay. So we all know about Amazon Prime is doing a Lord of the Rings series, oh right? For a long time, they've talked about it being in 2021. No, they just revealed that it's going to be released. The first episode is going to be released September 2nd, 2022. Wow. And they released one single picture of what the show may look like. And it's a pretty nice picture, mm. admittedly. Um, I am very interested. Tell us about it quickly. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you about the picture. It's just a very okay, nice picture. Great, great. There's a person in white. <laughs> so don't distract me from this particular Sorry, go, go, point. Go. So so we it's, it's going to be released in 2022. We're concerned about it a little bit because they were asking for uh, for people comfortable with nudity right. to volunteer to, to, to act in this. So 
I'm very trepidatious about it, but I'm also oh, very interested. Um, it is going to be the most expensive TV show ever. The first season cost $456 million. Once again, I'm working in the wrong place. And Pocket they're already, <laughs> already working on yeah. season two. All right. And I'm out. I think you beat the timer. Oh, my goodness. I win. Came in and came out. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you, you if, beat the timer, so I'm not going to make it go off. Do we off. have to wait for the timer to go out? No, but that's part I of it. I could talk about other things. Oh, uh, you know. Do you I, want me to talk about Vivo some No, I think my mother-in-law's timer actually doesn't work very well. <laughs> But it has that cool ticking but anyway, sound. I still That's all we the need. ticking is what matters. Lauren <laughs> or Jonathan, who's next? Thank you, Paul. I, I will go. L- great. Because mine is also related to Amazon Prime. Oh, it's starting. Okay. Um, so the trailer was just released recently for Amazon Prime's take on Cinderella, um, starring Camila Cabello, who is a uh, pop star, former girl band member, um, you know, just a very famous singer. Has This is her first foray into act, the acting world. Um, the trailer was just released, and it's supposed to be a sort of modern, millennial, Gen Z take on the Cinderella story, which is ridiculous because we already have that. It's called A Cinderella Story, starring Hilary Dubb and Chad Michael Murray. Um, so I don't really know why this is necessary. Clock's ticking. I'm so sorry. Um, but <laughs> I talk too much for this. So... This seems like, on the surface, it's like, oh, a new Cinderella story, I can take my kids to it. But watching the trailer, that's not necessarily what it is. We have a lot. This is not the Cinderella story that you know. Um, In the movie, Cinderella is a fashion designer. She designs dresses, and then the prince proposes to her, and she says in the movie, but what about my work? And so this is much more about her her juggling. Um, I want to be my own independent woman, and I want to work, but should I get married to this guy to support my my evil stepfamily who don't actually love me, but now that I might get a lot of money, they do love me. So it's a lot of that. Um, Also, the fairy godmother is played by um, Billy Porter, who's a very um, openly LGBT advocate. I think they call him the Fab G in the movie, which makes me feel a whole lot of things. Um, (laughs) Most of them are negative. So this is a movie um, that's coming out soon on streaming. And oh, is it done? Am I done? Um, I would just be, um, to use Paul's words, trepidatious about it. Trepidatious. Here we go. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Next week when we do this, even though I tested the timer last night, I'll make sure we have one that buzzes at the end. Jonathan, you ready? I am as ready as can be. All right, go. All right. On August 1st, the Chicago Tribune posted an article about TikTok as a launching pad for musicians' careers. And they made this bold claim. They said, internet clout rivals traditional fame. And I agree. We live in a day and age where 86% of young people want to be influencers. And the very screen that they carry around in their back pocket provides them apps like TikTok, which show our kids this perpetual stream of those who've made it. So they see stars like Megan Thee Stallion, who went from no one to the top of the charts singing profane lyrics with Cardi B. And the question is, what effect does this have on our kids? And I think the answer is that they think maybe I can do that. Forget their dreams of becoming an astronaut, a nurse, or a dolphin trainer. I want to be an influencer. You know, maybe next year I could be singing songs with Cardi B that would give my grandma a heart attack. Right. So what happens when you don't get the likes? Mm. What happens when you don't get the followers? When 86% of people want that, but only one in about 2,500 get that, is there any wonder that we're having a mental health crisis in 2021? Something to think and talk with our kids about. (laughs) 
Very Perfect. Nice. I'm glad I went before Jonathan so I don't have to follow that. Right? Yeah. Well, I, I definitely, I realize now that I've always wanted to be a dolphin trainer. I know. <laughs> no, I think you should great. give the, That's the timer to Lauren because I don't trust you. I don't know how to, do you think I, I know how to use an myself. egg timer? I will time myself. I don't myself. trust you. Okay, Adam. you're on my time now. Oh. Stop. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to follow Jonathan with a story that actually echoes that. It's about Billie Eilish. She did an interview with The Guardian this week and She's nothing if not interesting. She has very interesting things to say, some of which I agree with, some of which I don't, but I digress. And she had this quote, and she's talking about how social media influences her personally and influences her body image. She says, I see people online looking like I've never looked. And I immediately am like, how do they look like that? I know the ins and outs of this industry and I know what people actually use in photos, and I actually know what looks real can be fake, yet I still see it and say, OMG, it makes me feel really bad. And I mean, I'm very confident in who I am. I'm very happy with my life. I'm obviously not happy with my body, but who is? And I really appreciate a couple things about this quote. I appreciate her candor and saying that mm-hmm. even though she says, yeah, I'm confident, I'm a star, I look at these things and, oh no, the timer has stopped. Yeah. Should have made a shorter quote. Shorter quote. (laughs) I look at these things and, well, it affects her too. So I will land things there and abide by my own rules. We hope that you have enjoyed our inaugural episode of Culture Countdown and we'll be back with another speed round for you know, the culture walks out there. And next week I will do my best to find a timer that actually, you know, goes penalizes those shamefully who go over one minute. Which there was only one of us. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope that um, our conversations today have given you some new things to think about, whether that's a movie you might watch in vivo this weekend or reflecting on some of the things that Jonathan had to say uh, about his new book. And in fact, as our thank you for being a part of the Plugged In Show family today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Jonathan's new book, Parenting Generation Screen, Guiding Your Kids to Be Wise in a Digital World. And I think we can all agree that's a goal we all have for our kids. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for today's conversation. Or just give us a call at 800 a family. As always, thanks so much for spending some time with us, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. Plugged In.